this week in cyberspace. Yes, welcome to Series 2 of This Week in Cyberspace, where we look at human rights in the digital age. And in this, our second series, we're looking at rights through the lens of artificial intelligence. As we discussed in previous episodes in Series 1, which you can, of course, listen back to on Apple and Spotify and SoundCloud, etc., AI systems are already being used by companies and governments to make decisions that often lead to discrimination of certain citizens. Because, of course, computers are binary, whereas people, especially those in the Rainbow Tribe, are not. I admit I'm a queer woman, and Brett Solomon, you're a gay man. Have you felt the cold, anonymous hand of AI creeping around your computer lately? <laughs> Hello, Nell. Welcome Hi. to Series 2. I know. Isn't right. it amazing? Series 2. Can you even We've believe it? We've done how many episodes? Well, Over. I think we did about... 25 in the yeah, first series, series. Yeah. so now we're... Um, Go us. Yeah. We've even got a following. <laughs> <laughs> Small. Small following. But, growing. but it's well, there. You it can is. find it. You can find us. And I'm really glad to be here for season two, series two, because... And to start off with this issue around LGBT rights, because... Or LGBTQIA plus rights, I should say. It's important that we get the whole spectrum um, in, the, in the term. But, you know, one of the things that's really been... I think disappointing in 2023 and doesn't look good for the future either is the way in which um, those who are trying to oppress and discriminate against um, this community uh, are using the digital environment. It's, it's, it's really, it's, it's, um, it's obvious in a way, like, you, you know, if you think about where does, where does the LGBT community um, reside? You know, online is pretty pretty important part of it. It means that you know where people um, express their identity. It's where people can LGBTQI plus folks connect with each other and 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 organise. It's where sexual health information is posted and made available. It's where people who are isolated, who you know, ex- who you know, it, who are living in communities where um, you know homosexuality or you know, alternative um, gender expression is not accepted. And so, of course, they move into the online environment. And now that space is no longer safe. Um, You mentioned the issue around artificial intelligence. Um, It's true to say that AI is being used in this field as as in every other field. And when you're using data sets that are discriminatory by their very nature, the rollout um, is discriminatory in practice. And so we're seeing that in the real world. I think it's interesting that computers have that binary code built yeah, yeah, into one them. Zero, one zero. Yeah. <laughs> and and humans absolutely don't, especially queer people. Yeah. Um they they tried to put out I think it was an AI gaydar. It was proposed as a machine learning system that predicts your sexual orientation from a picture of your face and it, it claimed to, quote, correctly distinguish between gay and heterosexual men in 81% of cases mm. and in 71% of cases for women. It turned out to actually be a bit of a, a, a bit of science fiction. But similar systems to that are being developed right now by companies like, uh, well, all the major companies we, uh, we know are controlling the online space. Yeah. It's true. I mean, the idea of like gender recognition or sexual orientation recognition online 
um, is pervasive and increasingly so. One of the things that we've seen, obviously, is that you know normally what has happened in this digital sphere or the digital environment, as opposed to the the era of AI, is that you completed that information yourself. So it would ask you like, what is your gender? And if you know at one point it was binary male female, or now there's obviously a lot of other options for people to be able to self-identify. Other the other box. Or, on, or, or, or even more detailed than the other box, you know, it's like prefer not to identify for one <laughs> yeah. or identify as, a, you know, third gender or identity. I mean, there's multiple different, you know, boxes in inverted commas to, to be able to tick. But now uh, with the use of, um, you know, emotion recognition, for instance, is one of the things that we should talk about is that, you know, you could, when an image comes up on your screen and it's of, you know, a gay couple buying a car, right? And gen- and and your emotion recognition is being det- being ch- uh, tracked, then it will then start to send you the the algorithm will start to send you more same sex advertisements because it's recognised that your eyes dilate or they spend longer on that particular image. Deeply concerning, of mm, course. Deeply. The other the other is that you know how you actually what you buy what you shop where you visit online the search engines are collecting all of that data as well and so that information is valuable right like if you you know if your insurance or your you know your healthcare or whatever is like connected to your identity which often it is then more targeted advertising is better for the advertisers and of course that data is is available to buy. What are some of the dangers do you think inherent in using people's physical features to determine these sort of things about a person like you know it it has a touch of eugenics about it like a superior race or an artificial race against the human race (laughs) the inferior human race? Well you know one of the things that they when when facial recognition first started to become a valuable asset. Um, they some of the studies started to like identify, like you know, be able to identify who was male and who was female, um, and that those data sets were more inaccurate for women than they were for men, and also more inaccurate for um, black women as opposed to white women as well. So like you know, there's all this then becomes not just a question of like um, you know sexual orientation or gender; it also becomes a question of race. All of this stuff is obviously deeply problematic and deeply, I can see your face screwing up, like yeah. deeply, <laughs> deeply offensive as well. One of the things that's really important about this is 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 connected to, obviously to the right to privacy. You know, we can't lose our right to privacy in the digital age. The right to privacy is respected, must be respected in the digital environment, in the artificial intelligence environment as it is offline, uh, even though, of course, there's concerns in the offline environment as well. Um, but we m- need to make sure that we don't replicate persecution. We don't repli- replicate discrimination in the online world. And that's what's partly at risk here. And I also wanted to mention, um, you know, in this week in cyberspace about some of the laws and some of the bills that have been passed around the world that actually are criminalizing, uh, codifying criminalization of sexual orientation uh, in the digital environment. Yeah, so last month, Uganda introduced the world's harshest anti-LGBTIQ plus laws. Um, uh, And there's been a wave of violence against queer people as a result. 
um, the Anti-Homosexuality Act. It, 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 I mean, it sounds like something from real? the 1800s 18- or 1700s. Well, in a sense, it kind of is because a lot of the laws that have been um, proposed and passed, and you mentioned the Anti-Homosexuality Act, so it's now an act um, in Uganda, is based on morality laws that were colonial i.e. the Brits and the, you know, the French, etc., came and colonised, and at the same time they left behind all of these laws that are based on, you know, Victorian-era morality, and they have then been invested in by, and in some cases by, U.S. Um, evangelical organisations that are really trying to, you know, feeling that they may have lost the battle in the, in the West, are now investing in countries like Uganda and in Ghana um, to try and have some of those new old laws reinterpreted and reinvested in the digital world. So, and so, for example, in Ghana, you've got the promotion of proper human sexual rights and Ghana um, Ghanaian Family Values Bill. It's That's always it's family called. values, isn't it? Well, and it's the family. Uh-huh. You know, it's the World Congress of Families that's actually supporting that bill. Um, wow, and you know, okay. and 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 it does things like it not only criminalizes LGBT um, activities, LGBT identity, but it also criminalizes people who in support of that as well. So if you want to be an ally and come out in terms of supporting your 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 gay friends or your gay colleagues or whatever, that itself is is an can be criminalized. Um, and if you do it online, it's even you know the the criminalization is, is even harsher. So you've got things like you know, five years for publicly identifying as LGBT uh, in Ghana. But in Uganda, you can also be um, criminalised for allowing, knowingly allowing uh, LGBT activity to take place on a premises, i.e. that means that you can't rent to a gay person, you can't rent a premises, which means that, you know, when you think about homelessness for LGBT um, folks, this is the reality is that it's actually unlawful to rent your home out to a gay person. It's, uh, as I mentioned, you know, it's causing a wave of violence against queer people in Uganda and other parts of Africa, and even in the lead up to this act being um, legislated. Yeah. Uh, there was all this violence, you know. I mean, this kind of divisive laws just promote. Uh, violence towards well, can, minority groups. Yeah, and you can see like what happened in Australia as well with the postal vote, right, or the postal referendum or yeah, whatever. Yeah, the plebiscite. Was a, the plebiscite. Yeah. You know, this whole thing about like should um, people of the same sex be able to marry, you know, marriage and equality. And rights to each other's properties and all those things that happen when a couple is married. Correct. Or even just de facto, you know, and... And that also brings out a lot of hate and a lot of disrespect and a lot of violence in the community. So people having to sort of prove that they should have the same, LGBT people being able to have the same rights um, as straight folks. When it moves into the digital world, it becomes even more complicated. Um, You know, this segment is This Week in Cyberspace, and it's about, um, you know, how do this, what's the role of the private sector in this? You know, you mentioned the, you know, big tech, um, the companies in some of these bills, including in Uganda, are being held liable for content that's posted. So, for instance, you know, Facebook can be, or Meta can be held liable for an LGBT activist posting information about an LGBT rally. So, of course, if they're held liable, you know what they do? 
they take it down. So this results in significant amounts of online censorship, self-censorship, corporate censorship in order to prevent, prevent themselves from being held liable by these new laws that are being passed. Yeah, I, I, I read that uh, a couple of, uh, well, there was a guy called Freddie, a non-binary filmmaker in their mid-twenties who said, I view what is happening now as a spiritual war where homophobia and transphobia are a manifestation of it. Yeah, and of course these populations are already minorities. You know, they're already yeah. at risk. So that when you have the state um, passing laws like this or the, the algorithm exposing your identity, um, you know, or enabling entrapment. Um, all of these things that are happening do make already vulnerable populations even more vulnerable. And I think that's why whether we look at it in terms of, you know, Uganda or whether in terms of Ghana or, or, um, or Kenya, like we need to see this as part of a global trend. Um, and, and, you know, the, where the gay community, the LGBTQIA plus community is actually being used as a means of the other. You know, the other is the group which you you kind of further separate, you further dehumanise, and as a result, you empower your your position in the polls. And we're seeing it in Russia, we're seeing it in Indonesia, we're seeing it in the UAE, all around the world. And and you know, and and that's why I mean, it's absolutely essential that people stand up against this because. Um, yeah, for all the obvious reasons. I noticed that there's a Reclaim Your Face campaign to ban biometric mass surveillance in the European Union, but is there anything underway in Africa? Mm, there are not that I'm aware of. Um, I, and also under the AI Act as well, which is before the European Commission and the Council, and we've just seen some text from the Parliament, which um, outlaw, um, proposed to ban some of this. So pro proposing to ban... Uh, gender recognition, sexual orientation recognition, um, using using AI as the kind of format to get to that outcome, um, which is really good to see. The problem is, of course, that you know regulation also needs to be passed. Regulation needs to be legislated. Legislation needs to be enforced. And so, you know, we're a long way off. Thank you, Brett Solomon, for joining us on This Week in Cyberspace. My pleasure.